What's up, folks? Welcome to another episode of Smoke World. I'm your host, Stone. So sit back, grab that stick, go grab a glass, whatever you're drinking, and let's have a conversation. You can follow me on Instagram at smokeworld50. We'll send those emails into smokeworld50 at gmail.com. I have in the building my brother, Noir, who has actually a podcast entitled Cigars and Crypto. Been hard brother to track down, but I got him in the building. It's all good. What's up, brother? How you feel today, sir? What's going on? I'm well, brother. How are you, man? No oh, man, I appreciate you taking the opportunity and sitting down with me. It's been a little while. I know your schedule's been busy, but I really appreciate you sitting down and having a conversation with the uh, the Smoke Bro crew. I appreciate so, you having me, man. Thank you, brother. Um, get a little background. Where you from? Where you from? Well, I live here in Delaware. I'm originally from New York. Um, have a background in IT, and uh, it's pretty much the skinny. Okay. And you know, he is a brother of the leaf. Oh uh, yeah, yes, yeah, sir. So we can't forget that. Oh He's yeah. A, Cigar smoker who smokes the premium of all cigars. Uh, you know, those who know me, I'm in the stony lane. It's not as if I don't like those cigars. I love those cigars, but it's what my pockets can handle. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? It's what my pockets can handle. Now, I bring you on today because, again, I like to uh, educate the listeners a lot of times in Smoke World. Mm-hmm. Um, you do cryptocurrency, you know, yes. is that AKA Bitcoin? Would that be correct? Again, Bitcoin is one of the cryptocurrencies. Okay, so it's one of the crypto. Yeah. So give us a little background on that whole thing. But first, before we even go there, because you actually do have your podcast, again, shout your podcast out and kind of give folks an idea what you do on your podcast. Sure. Well, my show is Cigars and Crypto. Uh, we are the perfect blend of high-quality premium cigars and cryptocurrency news and commentary. I have uh, core developers, lead developers, CEOs, chief financial officers in the cryptocurrency and blockchain space on my show to talk to my listeners about what cryptocurrency is and how it can improve their lives. Okay, good stuff. So now how do you actually find these uh, guests on your, your podcast? Well, fortunately, I've been in the cryptocurrency space since 2014. Um, so people know that I'm out there. So most of the time I just reach out to them via Twitter or Bitcoin Talk or Instagram or Reddit, and I say, hey, I would love to have you on my show so we can have a talk about uh, your project and what you're doing. Okay, good stuff, good stuff. So, okay, now, folks, the education begins. So if you wasn't paying attention, it's now time to pay attention. Okay, now you say cryptocurrency and Bitcoin is a part of that particular currency. So I guess you can explain, folks, you know, give that breakdown uh, exactly, I guess, what is cryptocurrency? We start there. Okay. Cryptocurrency is a digital financial asset. Most people, when they hear that, they're like, oh, that sounds weird. But if you use a credit card or debit card, you're already using a form of digital currency where you're not taking paper dollars or coins out of your pocket to pay for goods or services. Cryptocurrency is native to the Internet. PayPal had to build a system that would allow people to buy things on eBay using a credit card or debit card. Mm -hmm. They had to build a system for that. Cryptocurrency is native to the internet. It's built on the internet and doesn't require a third party for you to transact uh, and for you to purchase goods and services. Interesting, okay. Now, if one is interested in doing that, 
uh, what are some of the steps they would need to take to say, hey, you know what, I'm interested in it. Well, again, like I said, you, know, you mentioned, uh, I think, PayPal. Right. And uh, I say a lot of folks have PayPal because I can speak personally because uh, through my personal experience, just maybe through the last week, someone asked me that I had the Cash App, and I didn't even have that yet. Uh, I just finally got that. Very simple to set up. Mm-hmm. But um, that's something important, like I said, kind of moving where technology and where we are now as far as, you know, back in the day we used to call it the Mac machine, mm-hmm. you know, money access center. Mm-hmm. Now they call it ATMs. But if you're old school, yeah, I'm going to the Mac. Right. Some folks don't have no idea what that is. So I guess that was just back in that time. I'm going to say that might have been in the late 80s mm-hmm. when they came out with the Mac with the little blue card. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So we're dating ourselves here, but don't tell nobody. But, um, you know, as technology progresses, as we progress, I guess this is a similar avenue yes. to that. But like I said now, has that really caught on? And what do you think some of the challenges are? If it hasn't, why hasn't it? Or speak to it has. Right, right. Well, I don't think cryptocurrencies have caught on the way people in the cryptocurrency space would like the retail investor or the average Joe, the main street person, you know, but I think that it is slowly coming online. I think there are a lot of people out there who now have at least heard of Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. Um, Bitcoin is the oldest. It's the first of all the cryptocurrencies. So Bitcoin is a peer to peer transactional system. PayPal, banks, debit cards, they rely on a third party to take custody of your money. So when you get paid, your paycheck goes into a bank, and then you use the card that the bank gives you, and you swipe your card, or you go to the ATM machine, and then the bank takes money from you. Mm -hmm. So they take a fee for you to use your card. When you go to get a loan for money, the bank takes a fee for giving you a loan peer-to-peer currencies are the opposite of that you take custody of your own money and you are the one who's responsible for it and the fees are minimal we're talking fractions of a percent as opposed to going out to get a mortgage and you're paying 3.25 percent interest on a four hundred thousand dollar mortgage um i think as time goes on, more and more people will begin to accept cryptocurrencies. Uh, They will find it easier to use. And right now, there's just a niche space for cryptocurrencies. Early adopters like me, um, some people like it because you can send, you know, countless amount of money anywhere in the world and it be there in 30 minutes. Like, I think about if you are here and you're working, but you have family somewhere else, right? I have family in the Bahamas. Okay. If one of them says, hey, I need you to send me some money, fell on hard times, I need to get my car fixed, right? When you think of sending money, you think of MoneyGram or Western Union, right? When you send money abroad, you're going to probably pay 15 to 20% for that transaction. So sending $100 is now 115 or 120 bucks. And you're going to spend extra if you wanted them to get it in an hour. Okay. Normally, international transactions take a couple of days to mm-hmm. do, right? And you need uh, to go to an institution that does uh, anti-money laundering and KYC, know your customer, 
So you have to show your ID and all of these other documents to make that transaction happen. Cryptocurrencies is, its central tenet is based on privacy. So for me to send you $10 in cryptocurrency, I don't have to give anyone my ID. I don't have to wait three days for you to get it. If I wanted to send you $100, you'll have it in 30 minutes. If I wanted to send you $100 million, you could have it in 30 minutes. There was a transaction that just happened, I think, two weeks ago. Uh, no, as a matter of fact, the federal government seized some illicit Bitcoin funds from uh, a dark web organization, right? Mm. The attorney representing the person who was holding the funds sent $100 million to the government, and it cost them $11.78. Try sending $100 million <laughs> with regular money or through a bank. Wow. You're going to probably spend about hundred grand to do that, and it's going to take five business days to get done. Mm. Wow, because like I said, I know you mentioned peer-to-peer. -peer. Is that the reason? Because now you're not utilizing that third party as the bank exactly. to do those transactions. Exactly. Okay. So, again, um, what do you think? Again, you're not crypto, but you, mean, you have knowledge. What do you think some of the challenges are? Is it based on uh, the people's lack of knowledge about cryptocurrency that it's not as popular with the mainstream or just folks don't feel comfortable or is it, again, I know it's regulations for everything, but um, could you speak to that? Or I mean, Again, you may not know the answer. Really. No, no, I, I think it's both. Okay. People are accustomed to having a bank taking custody of their funds. People feel safe knowing that their money is in the bank, mm. right? Also, when cryptocurrencies first came out, let me let me be specific. When Bitcoin first came out, the appearance, the attitude towards it from the government was that it's something that's illegal or nefarious and only uh, bad people use it. So that's steered people away from it. And... It's also that people just don't know. There are a lot of people who just don't know that cryptocurrencies are out there. And so I think the challenge to cryptocurrency is adoption. And adoption up until this point, well, up until around last year, was trying to get the everyday user to use it and marketing to them directly. The people who were marketing to them weren't marketing people. They were software engineers. Mm. So there's a disconnect in the language. There's no lingua franca there. Mm -hmm. There's no communication or translation there. I think now that you have banks like uh, Goldman, uh, J.P. Morgan Chase, um, BlackRock, you have financial services companies coming online like uh, Wynwood and a few others that are now accumulating Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies as stable or not stable, as appreciating assets, mm -hmm. you're starting to find that more people are learning about it because financial advisors are saying, hey, you may want to have this in your portfolio just in case. Yes, it's volatile. The price goes ups and up and down a lot. But year over year for the last 11 years, it's outperformed every other asset in all asset classes. So if you would have got into cryptocurrency in 2010, when Bitcoin was three cents. Mm. Today it's $15,636. Oh, well, you might need to repeat that. 
Right. Okay, hold on, folks. I don't know if you caught that. Okay, when Bitcoin came out, what year was that? Sir? This was around, it came, the white paper dropped in 2009. People started buying it in 2010, buying and mining it in 2010. Okay, so in 2010, it was about what about price? About three cents. Three cents, and today it's what? It's around $15,636. Thousand, that's correct. Yeah. Okay, just want to make yeah. sure I heard you correctly. Okay, I'm sorry. Proceed. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so it has outperformed every other asset across all asset classes, right? And this is what makes it attractive to investors and large businesses. What makes it attractive to the retail user is the privacy component associated with it. It's, it, it can be private like cash, mm-hmm. but Bitcoin is not private. I wanna make sure that people understand that. It's not private. It's pseudo anonymous, meaning if I send you $100 in Bitcoin right now, right? Mm-hmm. Bitcoin sits on an open public ledger. Okay. So anyone who has your address or anyone who has access to a blockchain explorer could look and see that this address sent that address $100. When you say address, are we talking about IP addresses or are we talking no, about No, they're like a, a a public address is the address that shows up in your Bitcoin wallet. Okay. Okay. So think of an address, a public address, like the numbers on your debit card. Okay. With the date. With the date. That's important. Gotcha. The private key, which is the number that sits underneath your wallet, is the PIN number and those three digits on the back of your debit card. So as long as no one has that information, it's very difficult for them to use your debit or credit card. The same principle exists with cryptocurrency. Your public key is just for people to see. Your private key is what you hold dear, near and dear to you. Okay. Okay. So I think to go back to your earlier question about the challenges, I think looking forward, if we want more people to start using cryptocurrencies, we have to create vehicles, uh, payment rails, and systems for them to be incentivized to use it. So what I mean by that, on there are places that I go where I am specifically looking for people that accept Bitcoin because it's cheaper. The, you mean the product would be cheaper? The product would be cheaper okay. because when someone, when a business sells you a good or service, they not only have a markup, but if you're using a credit card, they're being charged 2.75% plus 30 cents for each transaction. Gotcha. Right? If you have a low margin business, meaning your margins are small, mm-hmm. that can really eat into your profit. Right? So imagine a world where you go out, like when I was in Aruba, I took my wife to Aruba for our honeymoon. And there was a place there called Linda's Dutch Pancake House. Right. And I went online and I found this place that accepted Bitcoin in Aruba. I purposely sought them out. They had two menus. Okay. They had a menu that reflected U.S. dollars. And then they had another menu that reflected cryptocurrency prices. The crypto menu was about 15 percent cheaper than the other menu. Because there's no need to mark up and add in for the cost of doing business. Transfer that transaction fee. Right. Mm. And I think that is how we'll get more people using it. When people see that they can save money doing it. 
okay, now, you know, we're avid uh, cigar smokers and we hit different lounges. Oh, yeah. So is this something that maybe you proposed or be willing to propose to some of the uh, lounges to say, hey, again, it sounds like more of an educational scenario in the beginning mm-hmm. to educate these, you know, lounge owners or vendors to say, you know, there's a way to actually um, accept crypto money, cryptocurrency. Mm-hmm. But again, education. Yeah. Because folks don't know right. what's all involved or they heard about it like me. Again, that's why I wanted you on the podcast because you're so knowledgeable about this and folks, is, you hear people talk about it, but they really don't know. You right. just something, oh, you hear Bitcoin. That's as far as it go. Right, right. <laughs> just be right. real. Oh, yeah, what about Bitcoin? Yeah, I heard about that. Yeah. So um, is that possible, you think, to sit down with some of the lounges and say, hey, you know what? There's a way to maybe, you know, cut some costs here where you can actually start utilizing and accepting cryptocurrency. So something, something you might, you mean, I don't, that, that's throwing a little bit at you. No, right no, no, <laughs> you're right, because I have had those conversations with a lot of the places that I go. Right. Um, larger lounges, chain lounges like Davidoff, uh, what's... Uh, Burned by Rocky Patel. Okay, they're they're not interested. They they have a they have a payment infrastructure set up that works well for them. Okay, they are familiar with the regulations behind that payment infrastructure, and the the costs of research and in bringing in new components like point of sale transaction devices right. is something that they feel is cost prohibitive because they're so large. Gotcha. Smaller lounges, I've definitely had that conversation with. Okay, and I. It's not a conversation that you can have one time and then they're just sold. Right. Because as you said, it's an education that has to take place. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you go to smaller lounges that have very small margins, it becomes attractive for them because generally people who are willing to spend Bitcoin probably have a lot of Bitcoin. Okay. And so they're looking for places to spend Bitcoin. Like there are apps out there right now that I use to get Bitcoin back as like a cash back reward. Okay. And there are also platforms out there that I go to to spend Bitcoin to pay for things so that I'm ta- I'm not taking money out of my house or out of my paycheck. Mm-hmm. Like I like to travel a lot. I fly around a lot. Okay. So if I want to fly somewhere, I'll go to Expedia and I can use Bitcoin to buy my flight, my hotel. Oh, wow. I'll go to Cheap Air to buy flights, hotel, rent cars. If I need furniture, I go to, uh, oh man, what's the name of that place? I can't think of it off the top of my head, but there is an online retailer that accepts Bitcoin for just about any household good that you want. Oh, wow. So that's what I'm saying. There's a market for all this. Oh, yeah. There's a market for this. And these people got into Bitcoin early. So people mm-hmm. were spending Bitcoin with them when Bitcoin was three hundred bucks, because that's when I got into Bitcoin. Bitcoin was about three three fifty. Okay. And they've been around since twenty fourteen. Well, before twenty fourteen, when I got in. And so now those people who were spending three or four Bitcoin for a hundred and fifty or two hundred dollar transaction, those three hundred and fifty dollar Bitcoin are now worth fifteen thousand six hundred thirty six dollars each. Wow. And so that is really going to boost the valuation for these companies. Overstock.com, that's the name of the company. Okay. So you can go to Overstock and use Bitcoin to buy anything. Wow. Okay. I buy cigars with Bitcoin. So. Okay, so now with that being the case, the average person, mm-hmm. you mentioned 
fifteen thousand mm-hmm. dollars. Now, if you're holding that, that's great. But the one who's interested in getting into the cryptocurrency and Bitcoin, that not might not be a reasonable number for the average working person to say, right. "Hey, you know, I have fifteen thousand to throw on this particular right. Bitcoin." So, how can one get into it? And is there a way to do it now with the numbers what they are? And say, you know, they may have a few hundred dollars, maybe. Right. Is there any way to actually assess the Bitcoin with those type of numbers and yes. that type of revenue that one may have? It most definitely is. The U.S. dollar is divisible by 100 parts. So 100 pennies gives you one U.S. dollar. Mm-hmm. Bitcoin is divisible by 10 million parts. Mm. So you can literally go out and buy a dollar's worth of Bitcoin. The easiest way to get into Bitcoin is using something called DCA, dollar cost averaging, Mm -hmm. where you take the same amount of money every pay period, 5, 10, 20, 50, 100 bucks, and you use Cash App. And you take Cash App, you go in, there's an option there that lets you buy stocks, and right next to that stock button is Bitcoin. Press the Bitcoin button, buy, buy 10 bucks, buy 50 bucks. And you can do that every pay period. And that's something you can do just like you that's were paying something, someone for the cash app. That's something I do. Okay, I'm going to ask you to repeat that again. Yeah. So I was paying attention. Okay, on cash app. Right. Okay, now we're talking about the app cash app. Right, there the are app different, cash app. Okay, so there are different cash apps to some degree, meaning you can utilize different companies. So, But this is cash app, the green icon. Right. Okay. So you go into cash app. Folks, we're doing this. We're doing this live. Right. You go okay. in the cash app. Gotcha. And on iPhone, there are five options at the bottom. It looks like a house, a card, a dollar sign, a squiggly line, and a clock. Right. Okay. You go to the squiggly line, and that's for investing. And investing, you see stocks and Bitcoin. Right. Mm-hmm. You click on Bitcoin. You click on buy. And then it says. Buy Bitcoin, and it gives you two options there. It, it starts with standard one-time order, but if you hit the drop-down, it gives you the option to buy daily, weekly, or every two weeks. And you have to buy a minimum of $10. Okay. So you could literally buy $10 worth of Bitcoin every pay period. Interesting. And it comes directly out of your off of your debit card or your bank account. Okay. And that's the best way to get into Bitcoin. That's the best way to get into anything that you're investing in. It's good if you have the money to drop on Amazon. If you've got a couple of grand to drop on Amazon, that's great. But you can also go to Cash App, go to investing, and you can buy fractions of Amazon. So you could buy $20 or $50 worth of Amazon every pay period. And as the value of that stock accrues and gains value, so does your investment. And the same holds true for Bitcoin. Wow. I just really learned something. I mean, I learned many things, but that's interesting to learn that someone actually, because most folks do have cash apps. See, like yeah. old people like myself was one of those old dinosaurs who refused to do it. <laughs> I don't know why I thought it was difficult. I'm like, oh, it's going to be too many steps. It was very simple. It took about five minutes, if right. that, basically utilizing your debit card. Right. So that right there, some knowledge dropped there. Oh, man, wow. Any other little tricks and trades um, that you maybe to share with the folks? In reference to this, where can they can look up some stuff if they're interested in looking? Maybe I guess they can Google yeah. um, cryptocurrency or mm-hmm. would you recommend? When I first got into Bitcoin, I went to Bitcoin.org. Mm. And it teaches you there exactly 
what Bitcoin is, how it's different, how to use it, and how to hold and secure it. Um, once you've gone there, then I would suggest maybe going on uh, YouTube and just watching YouTube videos on what cryptocurrency is. And that's a good kind of primer for getting into Bitcoin. Once you've gotten in the habit of making a bi-weekly purchase of Bitcoin from Cash App, mm -hmm. then if you want to look into other cryptocurrencies like Litecoin, Ethereum, XRP, Dash, Zcoin, or any of those other currencies like Noir, okay. then you can kind of move into that direction once you have that base foundation. But I would always start at Bitcoin.org to get all the uh, education and information that you need to get started. Okay, now would you recommend folks save this opposed to, you know, they say, hey, I have another means of uh, spending money mm -hmm. and go to these sites, Expedia, or would you recommend, hey, once you buy these Bitcoins, it would be my recommendation that maybe you should hold on to this. Mm -hmm. Because again, you know, from where you purchase and to where it's at today, right? it's, it's a hell of an investment. Right. Um, what would your recommendation be with that scenario with someone who's buying, you know, small increment increments of uh, Bitcoin? Mm -hmm. Should they say, oh, you know what? Hey, I found this website. You're right. It's much cheaper. So I can just go ahead and do my transaction via this way. Or would you recommend, you know what? Buy that. Hold on to it. And, you know, just continue to spend your cash and just use this as an investment because this does has a tendency to grow. Okay. So I'm going to answer that question in four parts. Okay. Part one, I am not a financial advisor, so I can't give financial advice. Disclaimer. Right, right. You know what I mean? Smoke world. Right, right, right. So I can't give financial advice. But what I can say is I dollar cost average, and I accumulate Bitcoin. I also trade on markets for Bitcoin. That's part one. Okay. Part two. Profit is not realized until it's realized. Mm -hmm. So you could buy stock and stock could go up. You know, you put in a hundred bucks, it goes up to $10,000. But if you don't spend any of that profit, it's not profit. Right. Because if it goes down to $90. Right, now you'd have lost. You'd have lost. Gotcha. Okay. So should you hold it as an investment? Yes. Should you use it as money? Yes. It's the first time in history that we have an asset that functions both as a commodity and as cash. Mm -hmm. So the value goes up and down, but the value mainly goes up. So you can hold it as an asset, like a savings account. Okay. Okay. But it's also fully fungible and transferable, so you can spend it as money. So... You start dollar cost averaging using Cash App today. You put in a hundred bucks. Next year, your hundred bucks is now worth one hundred and thirty bucks, right? Mm -hmm. Spend thirty dollars. Gotcha. Treat yourself. Spend thirty bucks. And not for nothing, man. He said you wasn't a financial advisor, but you know, woman has it. It's not like you're a financial advisor. <laughs> no, I wish I was, man. You know what, though? Believe it or not, there is a new certification out uh, for people who are interested in becoming a chartered, chartered digital financial advisor. 
Mm. And so I think I'm going to invest in myself. Yes. And move in that direction. Not to ask you to me. I, I disagree. I don't really know what that is. Okay. <laughs> All right. The only chartered financial advisors can legally give you financial advice. Mm-hmm. Anyone else who does that is breaking the law. Gotcha. And you don't know if that person has a solid background in finance to give you sound advice. So these people who have this certification of CFA, they're charter financial advisors. They register with the state. They take certifications with the state. They paid a couple of thousand dollars to get the certification so that they can sit in front of you, take custody of your retirement fund, okay, and trade That's for you. Difference. Gotcha. You see what I mean? Okay, if I say, because, you know, we smoke cigars, we got a specialist in every cigar lounge that does relationship. Right. Addiction. Right. You know, money. Right. So I was just curious. Okay, the difference is you actually give them your personal information. Yes. And then, they, okay, gotcha. Yes. And so I am not a certified digital asset advisor, so I can't give that type of information officially. Okay. But I am working to become one. Great. So that I can kind of transition out of my nine to five and move into a new thing. Okay, when that does happen, I'm going to put you on the spot. To commit to come back to Smoke World, to be able to advertise yourself, number one, and to uh, actually basically market yourself. And like I said, I mean, this has been a blessing right here, that information that you gave us, jewels, some nuggets, you dropped down, some information. Because, again, this is more of an educational thing because we all hear at least, you know, the word cryptocurrency. We hear mm-hmm. about Bitcoin, but... Do we really know what that means? Yeah. I think a lot of folks don't, and I think that may be a reason and a challenge for where we're at now, why it isn't so popular. Because again, it's one of those kind of things you hear about. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, I heard about that. But like I said, you just gave us, again, that nugget that you can do something in cash at mm-hmm. that most people, even me now, <laughs> yeah. actually has yeah. and able to do that. So great, all right, well that's what's up, brother. So but I want you to come back, man. You, you can count on it. Okay, definitely come back. Um, you know, change the subject a little bit. You know, what you been smoking, bro? I know you've been smoking everything, but you know, hey, he, you know hey, that's how he is, folks. Hey, He's the man right here. Trust me when I tell yeah. you. <laughs> I had a, uh, today I smoked um, an Emilio uh, special that was called Carpe Noctum. Uh, picked that up earlier today. Uh, I have a virtual cigar lounge that starts at five o'clock. So for that, I have the uh, Romacraft Neanderthal HN, and I'll be smoking a Fuente Fuente Opus X. Okay, now I'm glad you mentioned that. You have a virtual, basically, cigar club. Mm -hmm. How can folks find that if they're interested to join you? Is this close to the public or can... No, just host, uh, hit me up, Uh, herfsociety.com. Send me a message. Herf, H-E-R-F, society.com. Or message me on Twitter, uh, at Invest Noir, I-N-V-E-S-T-N-O-I-R. Okay, I mean, and, uh, you do also have Instagram. Folks. Yeah, I'm on IG so is Cigars right, and Crypto. Right. Okay, so, okay, get that out again, because they kind of all blended together. Got Let you. folks know okay. where they can follow you at. Got you. So, follow me on Instagram, at Cigars and Crypto. Okay. Uh, on Twitter, at Invest Noir, or at Cigars and Crypto. I'm on Twitter as Cigars and Crypto as well. Uh, or you can just email me at hello at cigarsandcrypto.com. Great, brother. 
I appreciate you, man. Is there anything else you want to share? Because again, you've been breaking stuff down. I feel like I should be paying you, but no, man. You know, I'm no, I to, uh, wait for my investors. <laughs> nah, this guy, this guy. <laughs> nah, man. Uh, I, only thing I want to share is a cigar with you again, man. Oh, God bless you, brother. That's what's up, brother. Well, listen, brother. I appreciate you coming through, being a guest, folks. You heard it right here, Noir. Follow him. He's on Instagram. Cigars and Crypto. Check out his podcast. Brother, thank you for sitting down with me. Appreciate it. Thank you for the invite, brother. You have a great day. All right, do the same. God bless. Well, folks, there you have it. Another episode of Smoke World in the books. Appreciate you listening. Again, you can follow me on Instagram at SmokeWorld50. Send those emails to SmokeWorld50 at gmail.com. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast, folks. I appreciate you listening. Love you guys. Take care. Be safe. Peace.